Oh. Ever gonna be. <laughs> With our microphones set to the right microphone. Checking one more time. It says it. It says it. Does it sound right? It sounds great. Okay. Although you were talking last time, I didn't even hear the difference. So. As soon as I started, I actually had them named backwards. So I started editing the second part first. And I was like, okay, well, maybe it's the second part. So like when my internet went out and Zoom restarted, something weird with the microphones happened. And so then I started playing the first part and I was like, uh. The whole time. <laughs> the whole time. Sorry, guys. That's okay. It happens. We are We are real. And we are not professionals. <laughs> we are amateurs. We're real amateurs. But hey, welcome to Haunted or Hoax. Welcome. I'm Kristen. <laughs> I'm Jennifer. And we hope you had a good week. Did you have a good week? So you know how we said last week it was like super slow? Mm-hmm. I feel like this week flew. Yeah, it was pretty fast. And it was mostly because I think I didn't know what day it was the entire week because my schedule flip-flopped. So mm-hmm. now I'm going to school three days and going to work two days. And so every time I was at work, I thought that it was like Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, but it was either Tuesday or Thursday. So I was further along in the week than I thought I was. Yeah. And for me, I got up early pretty much every day. Good job. And thank you. And so I was able to work a half day on Friday, which was nice. So it was a little bit of like a two and a half day weekend. Have you made it to the gym yet? Not yet. So I went to Pilates today. Oh, which is Saturday. So I have to get up early, but I did go to Pilates today and I bought myself a little membership for four days a month to start. Okay. That's good. Like once a week. Yes. But this coming up week, I'll try to get to the gym during the week. We'll see how it'll go. How do you feel after your Pilates class? I feel good. It was hard. It kicked my ass. Mm -hmm. I used to do Pilates consistently and I haven't done it in like over two years. And so when they told me I had to take the introduction class, I was kind of insulted. (laughs) I was like, I don't need the introduction class. And I did because I forgot how hard it is. So it humbled me, but it feels very satisfying afterwards. Yeah. I highly recommend it. No wonder you felt productive today. I did. I felt protective. I went to Pilates and then I came home and um, maintenance came and then they called a plumber and they fixed my tub because I was trying to be proactive last night and clean out my drain and that didn't go very well. So it's all fixed now. What a great Saturday. What a, It's just a great Saturday. And you know what taught me a valuable lesson? Don't clean. Don't do too much. Don't, don't do too much. Just do the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like joe's favorite thing to say to me you're doing too much yeah well guys always say that <laughs> well now i say it to myself and honestly it's helped significantly <laughs> oh, well good i just be yeah. like cleaning something stress cleaning when my family like before my family comes over i'll be stress right. cleaning and then i'll just like say it in my head are you doing too much and i'll like put the fancy napkins back in the <laughs> in the hutch you don't put need- away my nice glasses. No, you don't need that. It's just it's just a little lunch. You don't need They're it. not need going to be that. looking underneath your furniture. You don't need to pull all the furniture out and vacuum under it. Nobody's going to know. Nobody is going to know. And you know what? Sometimes you just, you're right. You just have to remind yourself to just, it's okay to do the average amount of work. Mm-hmm. Don't do too much. Just like this podcast. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Listen, this episode. We actually have a lot, I think. 
We are bringing the crescent rolls to the table. Yes. Hot and fresh and lots of layers. Like a Pillsbury Doughboy can. Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Just exploding and scaring you as you hit against the counter, which you're not supposed to do. What? You're not supposed to do that to those Pillsbury cans. You're not supposed to whack it against the counter. Was it going to like injure them? No, but it might injure you and it like recoil back. Those things are strong. Recoil? Yes. <laughs> You're not supposed to. It's got a kick like a Glock. <laughs> it does. <laughs> have you ever like enthusiastically whacked one of those things against the counter? I have, and I've never had it. Honestly, say I've never had a recoil. Wow. You're lucky. I guess so. <laughs> Just making a buy with my life. <laughs> I will say I would probably never do that with the cinnamon roll cans because that little thing of icing could probably take you out. For real. Just, you know, gently do it. Anyway, okay. well, what are we doing today? We're making, doing the Crescent making... Roll Hotel in Arkansas. Now I'm going to have to say it every time. <laughs> um, no, the Crescent Hotel in Arkansas is what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. I feel like we probably could have talked about this a long time ago. I think we were supposed to, and for some reason, I don't know, I wasn't feeling that or something. <laughs> something happened and we didn't do it. We changed direction. Oh. Um, I vaguely remember that. And I will say, I kind of want to go to this hotel. Same, except I looked at the pictures on the inside and it didn't look as nice as I wanted it to be compared well, to the outside. It's historic. historic doesn't have to mean grungy this is true well you know we'll see that was very judgy (laughs) i mean if you're gonna stay there and pay a whole bunch of money to stay there it should be nice i'm just saying if it's gonna cure me of my illnesses i need it to be at least a four star yeah 3.5 at the very least at the very bare minimum but we'll get into all that yes tell me about the spooky things that happened okay or are happening and we'll see if you still want to stay there. Okay. So this is America's most haunted hotel. Did you know that? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's been announced as America's most haunted hotel by shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. And I will tell you, I will not be mentioning them very much in this episode because I found a whole bunch of stuff independent of them. And I didn't really feel like I needed to see Zach Bagans this week. I don't um, know. I feel like in the new year, I'm kind of like mad at him <laughs> for some reason I I can't identify. So we'll see. What if he's the only one that can save you from the shadow creatures you're seeing? Listen. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to help you anymore. He's not going to help me anymore. Honestly, I can't even help myself. A lot of paranormal investigators come here to the property and they have a resident investigator and researcher. Oh, that like lives on property? He just is there a lot, I think. I don't think he oh, lives I there. I think he's just like the one guy that they go to and his name is Larry Flaxman and I'll mention him later. Okay. Here are some of the more popular tales from the hotel in room 218. There is a Irish stonemason named Michael who allegedly fell to his death when building the hotel in 1885 and he is known to hang out there. He is a mischievous spirit who likes to play tricks with the lights, the doors, television, and is often heard pounding loudly on the walls. Others have witnessed hands coming out of the bathroom mirror. 
Ew. Yeah. And heard cries of what sounded like a man falling in into the ceiling. And just perpetually tripping in the tub for the rest of eternity. That's the worst, man. The whole like falling sensation for all your afterlife. That's that'd be awful. That would that's not for me. Other guests have said that they've been shaken during the night and on a on one occasion a guest ran screaming from the room saying that they had seen blood spattered all over its walls. Ew. Just doesn't seem like a room I would want to request, honestly. Michael doesn't have a last name. What really disturbs me, I could I could like get down with the lights flickering and the TV going on and off. That's like kind of annoying hauntings to me. The bathroom mirror hands are a big nope. I would request to move rooms immediately. Well, you said blood splattered on the wall. So I did tell you about the blood spatter that was in the shower in New York, right? No. <laughs> what? So in our hotel, we were staying in a nice hotel. It was like right off of Times Square. It was a very nice hotel. Okay. And so I was taking a shower and I look up and there's like little blood spots like what looks like blood spatter but it's like at the top of the shower like shower head blood spatter like almost to the corner i say blood splatter there it was like a rust colored grouping of droplets okay and i was i stared at it for a little bit while i was in the shower and i was like that looks like blood no and so i'm like finishing up i leave and then i go to look out the window and there's like scratches in the wallpaper no (laughs) like no and so I told Joe I was like did you after he had taken show I was like did you see like what is in the corner of the shower he's like I don't know what you're talking about like of course not and I said it looks like there's blood in the shower he was like ew what it's like like up in the top corner and he was like why were you looking up there I was like I don't know (laughs) sometimes you just gotta look up you know you're enjoying your shower contemplating life you see blood and you just got out of the shower (laughs) and didn't say anything until after he took a shower all right so it was very tiny droplets okay (laughs) and I was like maybe it's like rust like the shower has like rusted a little bit so then I got I took a second shower the next day and I'm like still looking at these blood droplets I stared them down the entire time we were there just so they won't move and yeah, drip on you. making sure. So then I got the washcloth and I was like, rust won't wipe off. <laughs> so I got the washcloth. Don't touch them. I, I used the washcloth and I just did oh, one no. little dot and I wiped it and it wiped off. And I was like, <gasps> oh, no, that's blood. That's blood. What could have happened? Like popping a really big pimple in the shower. We need to call like Olivia Benson. <laughs> It's almost in the ceiling. So then I was like, well, do I call the cops? And then I'm like, what am I going to... There's blood in my shower in my hotel. Like, what are they going to do? Right. Did you like, leave like, a note? This... No, I didn't. I didn't do anything. I was like, it's okay. House cleaning will keep it up. And I was like, do you think that somebody got murdered? He was like, well, if there's blood in the shower, then probably. Oh, like, God. Stop it. <laughs> Thanks, so Joe. clearly blood on the walls wouldn't cause us to run out of the room screaming. Anyway, that's my story. Carry on. <laughs> well, so you would you would be comfortable spending the night in room 218. Not with mirror hands. Mirror hands is where you draw the line. Mm-hmm. Blood spatter mm-hmm. is different. It depends on the amount of blood spatter, I guess. Well, it's all over its walls. Ugh. Anyway. 
<laughs> we see where the, the line is drawn. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> There's also Theodora, who is believed to be a cancer patient uh, in room 419. She's always tidying up for guests when they leave the room and fumbling with her keys. Like a jingling of keys can be heard outside of room 419. There is a four-year-old child of Richard and Mary Breckenridge Thompson named Brecky, which is kind of cute. I feel like 2023, I would hear that name. Brecky Breckenridge? I think that maybe they don't know the four-year-old's actual name and they just call him. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, This child has supposedly died in the hotel due to complications from appendicitis and he's been seen and heard throughout the hotel often bouncing a ball cliche brecky there are tons of ghost children bouncing a ball you know what i want i want a ghost child to like sling around a yo-yo or something twirl a baton both of those sound very dangerous (laughs) You talk about getting taken out like you're worried about a crescent roll can. You want a ghost to be swinging, a ghost child nonetheless to be swinging a yo-yo. You know how many times we hit ourselves with your baton and it left a bruise? I'm just saying. A ball is a little bit boring. No. Like, I don't know. This is a cliche at this point for me. They didn't have much to play with back then. Uh, Stick and hoop. That's what I want from our next ghost child. Stick and hoop in all over the hotel. That sounds um, like. Never mind. Don't even. Don't even. I don't want to know. Well, I was gonna say stick and hoop sounds like a children's book, but then you said stick and hoop in all around the hotel, <laughs> and it did not sound like a children's book at that point. There have been so many plumbing innuendos in my life today. <laughs> <laughs> Everything sounds dirty at this point. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep pushing on through. Um, and then also we have Dr. John Fre- Fremont Ellis, the hotel's in-house doctor from the late 19th century, is most often seen or his cherry pipe tobacco is smelled near his office, which is now room 212. We have Morris, the hotel cat. Mm who was known as the hotel general manager for 21 years. And he did the best job. Yes. And later buried on the hotel property is regularly seen and heard, which is the best. Cat ghosts are the only ghosts that I like. (laughs) They put in their own door for him. I'm so cute. So sweet. their, Their own door and they carpeted the entryway and exit way so that he had an easier walk. Oh, I love that for them. That's the only fun facts that you're getting out of me. But I read that. I was like, Kristen's going to love this. <laughs> I know. I do. Hotels that have like cat mascots are the best. Mm. I'll pay extra to have your cat at my hotel. Um, There is also the nurse. No name. She pushes a gurney through the entirety of the third floor She's usually only spotted after 11 p.m. when the deceased used to be moved out of the cancer hospital. And she vanishes when she reaches the end of the hallway. Others might not see her in actual apparition form, but they have reported hearing sounds of squeaks and rattles that sound like a gurney rolling down the hallway. 
And the most ambiguous one of them all is The Girl in the Mist. Mm, Another book. Yes. (laughs) Thought to be from anywhere from 1909 to 1928. She is usually seen from time to time around 1030 in the moonlight. She will either fall. Some say it's she's falling. Some say that she has flung herself from one of the east side balconies into the garden below. She is always shrouded in mist as she falls. Folks have claimed that they have seen the ghost plummeting from the darkness, like just like a like white misty falling. Here we all are with the falling sensation again. Yes. People don't know if she was pushed or if she jumped. The Sicilian article said, was she, is she a character straight out of Dreiser, pregnant and unwed and ruined, killed by despair in Victorian convention? <laughs> Which is a lot. Oh, so it's not like a girl. It's like a young lady. Yes. Okay. Not like like a little girl. Like I'm I'm thinking when they say a, like the girl in the mess, I think she's like a young, probably late, mid-teens, early 20s sort of situation. I see. But she has no name. She has a very vague date range. And nobody can tell me exactly what happened to her or like what the actual story is because it just varies and it's very vague all around. No solid details. What's interesting about this place is that many paranormal investigators have come to believe that the limestone that the hotel sits on has a special ability to absorb and release electromagnetic and psychic energies. And this reminded me a lot of another place where mm-hmm. Zach Biggins had claimed like ghost quartz or something had an effect on the place. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which one of that one is now, but no, I'm trying to remember, but it's not coming to mind. But this place has limestone that it's pre- predominantly like underneath the hotel, like it's built on limestone. Um, and I think that parts of the hotel was also made of limestone, but I don't know if that's true or, or not, but they contribute that to the abundant paranormal activity that goes on in the hotel. I don't know about special rocks doing paranormal Um, things, but I don't know why that would happen versus like just regular dirt and rock. I'm not a geologist and I'm not a paranormal geologist. So I wish I could remember what place that was though. Cause I remember talking about it. I just, I think it was, it wasn't the DeSoto. What was it? Was it the DeSoto? I don't think so. Was it? <laughs> Guys, we'll get back to you on this. And if you can remember what episode, if you're just like binge listening to our and you're podcast, screaming right now for just... whatever reason would possess you to do that. Can you just like shoot us a message on Instagram and be like, you idiots. It was this episode. Yes. If you know, and you're just like super annoyed with us right now, just yet yeah, Instagram DM us, do something Help. And, and name it and quote us. And then we'll quit because we're not very good (laughs) podcasters. Um, Anyway, Jack Moyer, uh, who was the hotel general manager when the Rognick couple, the the Rognicks owned. Your guess is as good as mine. We know how good I am at pronouncing things. Listen, it's spelled R-O-E-N-I-G-K. So 
there's no way, there's no way I'm ever going to pronounce that right. But he was the general manor, manager when they owned it. He said, I clearly remember Carol Heath stating that he had discovered a portal to the other side for those who are on the same frequency. Jack was a skeptic at the time and laughed when he started. He continued saying, I remember asking myself, what were we thinking, trying to explore this unexplained world? But after more than a decade of working around the paranormal, I now assuredly recognize how many people truly connect to the spirits here at the Crescent. And there is new and specific reason why. So after 18 years of working at the Crescent Hotel, he spoke with the current hotel ghost tour manager, Keith Scales. He said, Keith came to me to share concern about a phenomenon that had been reoccurring on his nightly tours. That phenomenon included multiple guests that ha- who had grown faint with a few passing out briefly at the same tour stop with no reasonable explanation. Then Scales described the location, and it was the area that had been identified as a portal more than a decade earlier by Heath. So I'm sure in the Ghost Adventures episode, Zach passes out or, I don't know, gets sucked into that portal. You guys will have to tell me I didn't watch the episode. Oh, so you know I want to go in and watch it. I know. I'll go back and watch it eventually, but um, I'm sure that's what happens. If there's a portal there, he's in some way connected to it. But this reoccurring phenomenon happens to be in a spot on the third floor where the hotel connects to an annex built onto the hotel when it was a hospital. The area is said to be the portal to the other side and guests faint they pass out briefly it goes in spurts and many of it it happens over several weeks and months and then like it'll stop so i don't know if that like depends on the foot traffic of this portal affecting the living maybe some ghosts are not really coming through the portal and then it's like you know halloween and they're like all trying to run through like halloween town i don't know there's just like too much of a traffic jam so it just jams us up and then we faint i don't know and they said although the loss of consciousness doesn't last very long and the complete recovery is basically immediate it like freaks people out and further substantiates the supernatural connection to the paranormal which is like no fucking duh oh it's fine you just passed out for no reason you have no history of that uh but look you woke up it's fine that is weird, though. Like, how would you reason that? How would you justify that in, like, a scientific way? I don't I don't know. I have heard, like, eh, there's certain things about, like, older built houses or houses that have, like, a... Oh, uh, if, like, the floors aren't The floors even, aren't it'll even. Throw off your, it'll make you dizzy, but I don't know if it'll make you, like, pass out. And the elevation, like I was looking up the elevation for Eureka Springs, it's only 1,200 feet. So it's not even that high. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, I just know from personal experiences, like that that floor thing, it makes me really dizzy. Mm -hmm. I'm super affected by it. So maybe like that combined with like, you're kind of expecting something 
to happen. Mm -hmm. You're building up that adrenaline. So maybe it just is a perfect storm. Or, I mean, it could be you being affected by the supernatural. Hmm. It's very interesting. And it's interesting to me that it like happens and then it kind of stops for a while. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I would be interested to see if it happens over weeks and months during like a season, during a Mm -hmm. certain season, Mm -hmm. if the weather affects it at all. Well, and the fact that that's like an additional space, like an add-on that happened later on. True. I feel like that would add to the fact that it might be a little bit unsteady. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Depending on how well it was built. I don't know. We'll talk about that. (laughs) Perfect. The person who did the renovations. Oh, perfect. I've heard a little bit about him, Mm. but... Um, there also has been a quite an uptick in the activity in the morgue, according to Deborah, the Duchess, manager of the nightly ghost tours. Uh, she calls herself that? I guess so. That's what her title was. It was in this article was Deborah, the Duchess. Uh, she was interviewed and said that we might have stirred things up a bit with the discovery of the remains. In 2019, they uncovered some bottles from the Crescent's most infamous resident owner, Norman Baker. This kind of, I guess, spurred on a archaeological dig, like a official one. Mm-hmm. And they found hundreds of bottles of Baker's quote-unquote secret formula and medical specimens. I don't know what the secret formula was. You, you can probably tell me. I can tell um, you all about this. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, medical specimens that had been apparently surgically removed from patients now did you so i found larry flaxman who is the resident ghost paranormal expert for the crescent hotel and Mm -hmm. he did like a little documentary on analyzing some of this medical specimens did you watch that at all i did not watch it i just read the blog about it okay so you kind of know what they kind of turned up Okay, I'm going to let you explain that because a lot of people, for some reason, I don't know if his findings were made public at the time or like published anywhere, but people are still saying like, this is mysterious medical specimens where when I watched the little documentary, I was like, "Eh, kind of seems straightforward to me. But uh, I I read the blog. When I tell you about it, you can feel free to add on. Yeah. Um, But with all this, it's said to have stirred up some sort of dark energy in the morgue and there's a dark figure that has been recently seen in the morgue and an increase in cold spots and people being touched ever since this 2019 discovery that is really interesting isn't it so so interesting um Hmm. I, i mean you could you can argue that you know Horror movies have taught us once we start renovating something or digging something up, the dead don't like it. So it's who, totally possible. Who made that observation that there has been an uptick in experiences? Is uh, that the, the Duchess? Ho- the Duchess and the hotel itself. The ghost okay. tour managers have kind of noted that. So. I'll get into that, I guess. That's okay. Interesting. <laughs> so obviously this place with all of its goings on has really driven paranormal amateur investigators Mm -hmm. to this place. Uh, I read that over 35,000 people take the tour annually, 
Wow. And yeah, there is an entire community of paranormal enthusiasts who participate in a Facebook group called the Crescent Hotel Ghost Tours. And let me tell you, you guys don't disappoint in that Facebook group. I scrolled for like an hour. Oh, all she's discussions. Pleased. I love it. The photos. Some of the photos are kind of funny and some of them get, you guys get ruthless. You call out when you think that something's photoshopped and <laughs> fake. I've seen like, this is fake. Please do not post these series for serious content only. And I was like, whoa. No BS. No BS. Apparently over 5,000 members from across the country have shared their photos and paranormal experiences while visiting the hotel. 5,000 members. There's even like a paranormal weekend, which is actually two weekends where you could just go and stay and do all the ghost hunting to your heart's content. And what's interesting is that in the 2021 paranormal weekend, there was a full body apparition that was captured on camera with the help of a ghost hunting tool that we all know and love called a laser grid that creates pinpoints of lights. If a light or a group of lights are missing, it's because they're being blocked by something, you know, basically the little Mm -hmm. shadow puppet thing. Uh, The picture was taken during an investigation by uh, investigators in the crystal dining room. And the figure had often been reported in this location, sitting on the windowsill, waiting for someone, and now has been backed by quote-unquote evidence. And I'm going to show that to you. I'll post the image on the Instagram. But it's basically in like a night vision sort of mode. And then you can see the lasers across the whole span of windows. And then there's this like white mist in the form of a figure. Um, which I thought was interesting. At first, I didn't know what they were talking about because I admittedly did read the description the first time I was like, at this picture, I just kind of scrolled down to the picture when they said they had one. And I was like, isn't this just like a spot, like a lens flare of the camera or something? But You know Big Ed off of 90 Day Fiance? Yes. Are you saying this ghost looks like Big Big Ed? I feel like there might be a resemblance there. Wow. <laughs> do you not see it? I do see it a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> but that was an interesting piece of evidence. I don't usually get a lot of photos and it doesn't it didn't seem fully photoshopped or it wasn't reaching. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Um speaking of the Facebook group earlier that I mentioned, I'm going to give you some images that I found on the Facebook group. Uh, this one was by a investigator named Ty. And they took three photos quickly together. And sh- they said, I cannot figure out what is looking around the corner on the left. Any ideas? And when I first saw these pictures, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? But then I saw it and I was like, Whew. So, oh, no. You do have to really zoom in on the That's last the picture. Do you see it? No, it's loading. Oh, okay. I would like to believe that it's a ghost cat. Doing what? Just checking out. See what you're doing. That's got to be like three feet in the air. Tall ghost cat. That's an old man (laughs) with bushy eyebrows peeking around the corner. Somebody said it it looks like Brecky. It could be Brecky, the child. Because somebody said it could be Brecky. I got him... I think I got him peeking around a corner. 
and it does not look like a child's face yeah it didn't look like a child's face to me either but also the person who was like i think i got him around the corner like it could be recce so like he that he's known to do that they sent in this picture and i don't know what she's talking about and a lot of other people kind of didn't know what she was talking about either oh but now i do oh that's awful i'm sorry i doubted this woman i'm sorry to this woman um amy i know what you're i see what you're talking about though now and that's disturbing do you see him i felt like this is the worst kind of jump scare <laughs> oh it's still loading no oh, i'm looking no. Oh. is it in the window is that what you're talking about like behind the curtain like right by her head that's not a face are you sure that would be like a doll size head well he's a little boy not a doll yeah but far away she's not like right up against the curtain okay but look at the window pane okay you see the size of the window pane yes think of the window pane in your house and then put a child's head like right up against it that head would need to be bigger at least the size of like a cantaloupe right that head the face is too small unless he's a baby i don't know i think he's little i don't think he's a baby though i mean i love that you're debunking this because it looks freaky but i if i caught it i would be a little disturbed but at the same time i think that that's one of those whatever phenomenon where your brain is filling in what you want to see good especially since it goes in with the curve of the lighting of the window good what about the other one i think that's an old man creeping around the corner (laughs) you think it's like an old ghost man but who could it be it looks like he's wearing those like google eye glasses that where the eyeballs pop out you know what i'm talking about yeah yikes (laughs) i don't want that at all i I mean (laughs) what if it is like somebody in a tour group just like wanting to scare their friend (laughs) or what if they're like oh they were trying to get out of the way of the photo because they're like oops yeah caught somebody like midfall right there are a few there are a few photos in here like i said there's a lot of photos of the facebook group and i'm going to show you an example of something where people are like oh if there's a face in this window and these are just dirty windows somebody didn't clean these windows very well and it's just streaky and that's why you're seeing this so you have to take everything with a grain of salt, which I think that it, the good thing is that a lot of people do in this group. Mm. It's not like everything is a ghost. There are they are also debunking things, which I think is great. Oh, that is a dirty window. Yes. Oh, that is a face. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. It looks creepy. It looks bad. But it is just the streaks in the window. I don't think it's an actual face. Those lips don't go with the streaks. It's a streak in the window. I promise you it's a streak in the window. If you go with the flow of the streaks, the eyeballs, the nose, and the mouth doesn't go with the flow of the streaks. Nah. Those we'll are this filthy, up. filthy windows, yes. though. We'll put this on the Instagram and people can tell us if they think it's an actual face or if it's just part of the streaks. I think it's just part of the streaks. That looks like a bust. Like, it, lo- <laughs> it looks like... A statue. That's weird. It also um, looks a little photoshopped, if you ask me. Right. And then the other piece is that these people were using one of the the Stickman cameras. What are they called? SRS something. Um, go to our ghost tools <laughs> episode and also remind me what that's called. Um, but they were using 
that and you can clearly you can clearly tell that it's mapping out this chair mm-hmm so you have to be careful with the way that you use your equipment too. A lot of people are doing this for fun and for a hobby and which is great, but you know, don't freak yourself out more than you have to. Right. <laughs> um, and then I did get this video from the Facebook page that is uh, from the office. They say that this is a, during like a little EVP session at around 2 a.m., the closet door opens, and this was from a woman named Rose. And someone named Karen said that something happened, like the same thing happened in their room when they stayed. What is that in the doorway? Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> it moves at the exact same time that the door opens. Right. I think it's a person who is in the other room. Because I thought she was reacting to the person in the other room calling or like saying something, mm-hmm. and then the door Obviously opened. I don't have my sound down. But I, I mean, I, I, huh. yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting piece of evidence, and it also kind of shows you like the wide range of like what people are posting. Mm-hmm. I only have two more things, and then I promise. Oh, <laughs> I just yeah, found a, I found a lot of stuff. So I was excited about it. I mentioned Larry. He's done a few videos on the Crescent Hotel. Uh, this ho- this one has like, I chose this one because it has timestamps. You can kind of click through. But it also has our favorite, our favorite thing. Just go to the timestamp that says music box. They're like in little sections. So they use the music box motion capture, which is just. I just feel like that's. <laughs> the most the most it's you're doing a lot with it you're doing a lot when you put the music back box motion like you're already so scared and then you have this creepy music that comes on whenever you ask a question I just feel like it's so dramatic it is very it is very dramatic it's very creepy I will give you this um you don't have to watch the whole video they do have like responses and then um if you go a little further there's a drain in the floor and when they ask if they can open the drain, like the music box goes off. Um, whenever they go near it, like something doesn't want them to open the drain, but there's nothing really in the drain. Like it doesn't go anywhere. So they think, so I'm assuming by them speaking, they think that it's Mr. Baker in the. Yes. Okay. They think that it's Mr. Baker in the morgue. I supposedly. see. Gotcha. But. Super interesting. I do appreciate how in every video that they have, they do like these little time markers, which is really easy to click through. Wish more people would do that. I'm just saying, hint, hint, if you make a video. Then the only other thing I had was this blog by a blogger named Heidi Brands from roadtrippers.com. They, her and her friend actually stayed in the morgue for like overnight. Like they had rollaway beds and stayed in the morgue. Um, you know they have rooms upstairs, right? They had a room upstairs. They asked if they could sleep down in the morgue for, How I guess, creative. content. You know, got to create that content. You got to be an influencer. This is why I would never be successful as a as an, as an influencer. They freaked out down there. They said that they didn't see anything and they didn't have as many like paranormal experiences that they thought they were going to have. At first, they were kind of like they were very scared. 
but then they kind of started relaxing when things weren't happening. And then about wee hours of the morning, they started hearing this unexplained knocking. And it's always in the wee hours of the morning. Right. It can never happen at two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. And so they started hearing this knocking and it went on for a while. And then the fr- and her friend who went with her was like, this is freaking me out. And around 6.15 in the morning, they left the morgue, which good move. I mean, I wouldn't have stayed down there that long, Um, especially since like you have a comfortable room upstairs. <laughs> I would want to get knocks? into the nice. How many knocks is too many knocks? Three. Three knocks. Three knocks. I feel like that's like a myth or something. That's like part of the whole thing. Is it like three consecutive knocks and then you leave? Or does it is it like one round of knocking, two round of knocking? I don't know. Because isn't three knocks like the devil's knock or something? I don't know. Oh, my God. I also saying. knock on people's <laughs> doors three times. Oh, no, I guess I do four. Yeah. Now I don't know what I do. Well, next time you knock, <laughs> take note. I'm not staying whether it's three or not. When they returned to their room in the morning, they did smell cherry pipe tobacco in their room. So they must have been staying in the room that used to be Dr. Ellis's office because they had heard the story and they were like, you know, just missed him, I guess. But But the the doctor, was he a doctor at the hospital or was he a guest? I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. All I just see is Dr. Ellis, Dr. Ellis, Dr. Ellis. Gotcha. And he had an office. So I'm assuming that he was a doctor at the hospital. Interesting. But I can't be sure. He just has the tobacco, cherry tobacco smoke that follows him around. Um, And that's all I have for you. you. That was not just all you have. That was a lot. It was a solid amount. And I was very pleased, especially with the Facebook group. I feel like every most haunted place should have a Facebook group. We're going to have to start taking note of of these most haunted places and actually do a map. We should. All right. Well, I can tell you all about this place when we get back from our break. Take a break and I can't wait to hear everything. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, listeners. My name is Kayla and I'm the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories. And I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before. And also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. We're back. From a very, very long break. (laughs) But like a couple of seconds to you guys. Yeah. So who really cares? Not us. We enjoy Not... talking to each other. That's why we do this. <laughs> Surprisingly. Now, tell me all you got on the Crescent Hotel. I will. But first, we're going to talk about Eureka Springs because that's really the reason why the hotel is there. Okay. There are more than 60 springs of, quote, healing water in and around Eureka's downtown area, and that ended up being visited by thousands of tourists in the late 19th century. Hmm. Businessmen, many of whom were in the railroad business, saw an opportunity to draw in high-end clientele, as well as, you know, fill those railroad seats. Mm -hmm. So they began to invest in this city, 
And in 1884, that opportunity investment began with the construction of a luxury hotel that would overlook the springs below. Mm. In 1854, pioneer doctor Alva Jackson visited the Basin Spring, and after the waters healed his son's eye injury, he began using the healing water in his practice. Hmm. During the Civil War, Dr. Jackson treated soldiers from both sides in the Battle of Pea Ridge. Don't pee which, in the springs. P-E-A. Oh. Just a bunch peas of peas. Springs. Just a bunch of peas rolling over the ridge. That occurred in March of 1862, and with 900 wounded and an estimated 2,000 casualties, it obviously kept him very busy. Yeah. But he was still using those waters to, like, treat his patients. He stayed in the area after the war and invited Judge L.B. Saunders to come and seek relief from a leg injury in the healing waters. And within two months, his leg was healed, and Saunders being very influential, ended up sharing his, quote, miracle with everyone. And the settlement was named Eureka Springs in the summer of 1879. Obviously, with those, like, big improvements, news of the healing springs spread like wildflower, wildflowers, <laughs> like wildfire. Just abundance of wildflowers. Beautiful Daisies. because of the springs. Springing up like springs. <laughs> <laughs> So there were claims that this spring cured everything from baldness to female <laughs> troubles to hay fever to cancer. There was what a dramatic... are we doing here? Why aren't we going there and just submerging ourselves in for our endometriosis? Obviously. <laughs> you never know, I guess. As long as there anything has... once. there's no insertion of water anywhere. as long as i just have to bathe in it i'm all right okay good so with these claims the population shot up and eventually brought wealthy investors into the area as well many of those investors held positions in the eureka springs improvement company esic for short which was an organization created to building eureka up to what it is the company's intended clientele was those afflicted and suffering, as well as wealthy individuals looking for a vacation. Very broad. What? What? Uh, two opposite types of people. <laughs> so that brought in the Crescent Hotel. The Grand Old Lady of the Ozarks, as it's affectionately called, I guess. Hmm. May 1st, 1886, the Crescent Hotel was completed by the ESIC under the guidance of General Powell Clayton, costing $294,000, guesses, 1886. Uh, like $1.2 million now. Hmm. Inflation really got bad this last year. I'm going to give you out. <laughs> it's $9.2 million. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> Crazy. Um, the hotel opened as a year-round resort. Isaac S. Taylor was the architect commissioned to complete the hotel. He was a very well-known architect, mainly in St. Louis. Um, and then stonework specialists from Ireland were brought in to help. 18-inch stones were brought from the ESIC quarry near Beaver and were cut so exact that the walls were fitted without mortar, which mm. is crazy. That's crazy. 
I read nothing about somebody falling from their death while building the building. No, no, Michael. No, Michael. I mean, the five-story fireproof building was elegantly furnished with the latest Edison lamps and electric bells, as well as featuring a sewage system and heat by steam through open grates. So, like, top of the line, very luxurious. Outside, a park surrounded the hotel with tennis courts and gardens. In 1886, presidential candidate James Blaine spoke at the grand opening gala of the hotel, and for the next 15 years, the hotel was operated by the ESIC and was an exclusive hotspot for the elite. So, like, a theme with this hotel is that it's very um uppity (laughs) uppity and like a lot of political figures go there Mm. it's very prestigious in 1896 famous orator and politician william jennings bryan addressed the crowd at the crescent hotel and in 1902 the hotel was leased to frisco railroad for five years due to the slow business in the winter crescent college ended up opening up and provided education to women until 1934 this is a big deal because us women don't really get a lot of education early in the history. Right. Some interesting ladies made their way through the college in the time it operated. Mary Ella Lundy, a dedicated athlete and musically gifted student, went on to become the head of women's education and physical education for women at the University of Georgia for 35 years. Cool. Mm-hmm. Her influence was so great that a $1 million scholarship was set up in her name, which is crazy. Another graduate, Frederica, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this right, Luce, went on to become the art supervisor for all of the schools in the Emporia District in Emporia, Kansas. Mm-hmm. So after the school shut down three years later in 1937, Norman Baker purchased the hotel and remodeled it into the Baker Cancer Clinic. He referred to the Crescent as the castle in the air broadcasting over his second radio station that he could cure cancer without, quote, carving patients up. Mm. But there's some things you need to know about Mr. Baker. And honestly, this is like the majority of the history that I have on the hotel. And it's not even on the hotel. It's about this man. So back in 1930, he had opened his first cancer hospital in Muscatine, Iowa, and had brought on Harry Hoxie. I'm going to assume that it's Hoxie because it would just be too on the nose for it to be pronounced Hoxie. Um, <laughs> but it's H-O-X-S-E-Y. Harry led the treatments of his patients. And even though his cancer cure, quote, quote, resulted in the expedited deaths of all five of his test subjects. Oh, my God. His cancer cure, the very expensive, very expensive treatment was an injection that later came out in court documents as consisting of brown corn silk, red clover, ground-up watermelon seeds, peppermint, glycerin, and carbolic acid. Oh, my God. So carbolic acid sounds really bad. I looked it up because I was like, is this man, like, injecting these people with battery acid? But it's not. Like, it's used in a lot of different things, and actually it's used in just common aspirin, but obviously, like, elements... It depends on, like, the amounts. <laughs> yeah. And, also- and the forms. Like, it's also used in plastics and, like, creating plastics and epoxies. So, it depends on the situation, but it is used in, like, pharmaceuticals today. But still, it just kind of seems like he was grabbing random things and smashing them into a... Watermelon seeds, you mean? <laughs> into a serum. and Who grabs those? And I was like, you know what? 
This seems like something you should inject. My mom said that if I swallowed it, it would grow into a watermelon. So maybe this will provide new healthy cell growth. We're going to inject these seeds into your veins and they will grow little baby watermelons. (laughs) Baby white blood cells. Documents also indicated that some patients patients were injected with the cure up to seven times a day. Ugh. So no. I'm sure, like I said, carbolic acid was used in pharmaceuticals. I'm sure that being injected with that seven times a day in any instance would not be okay. No. This hospital did not lack any drama, though. Let me tell you about yeah. this. Baker also owned his own radio station, and he would frequently get on the, his radio station and denounce licensed doctors as quote educated fools and quote cutters incapable of helping patients wow bold the ama also known as the american medical association published an editorial accusing baker of fraud to which baker called the ama's amateur meat cutters association one ama member morris Fishbane stated that Baker has even claimed that the AMA offered him $1 million for his cancer cure with the intent of forcing it from the market so that patients might be compelled to resort in sur- to resort to surgery. In turn, Baker attacked Fishbane, Fishbane for being Jewish and oh, sued God. AMA for libel and defamation. I'm not lying, and you're Jewish, so there. <laughs> well, what? you know, he is Jewish. <laughs> That's awful. In 1930, Baker reported that three men attacked and fired on the hospital, but police could find no evidence except that Hoxie, Baker's associate, had fired all shots. In May 1930, the state of Iowa filed for an injunction against Baker, Hoxie, and three others for practicing medicine without a license. In Muscatine, Baker conducted huge a huge outside gathering with open air curing of patients. Cause I guess that meant like he wasn't practicing any, anything. These were compared to like Woodstock type events. They drew tens of thousands of people. Like church faith healing kind of things. I guess like the clean the air, religion. the clean air is going to like help cure you. Oh. But they were also urged to buy his products and like cures while he was, while they were there. Gotcha. I was trial trial of Baker began in September 1930, and it gained nationwide attention, not shockingly. Simultaneously, he was called before the Federal Radio Commission in Washington, D.C. to defend his radio station's license. (laughs) Baker and Hoxie ended up turning on each other over the division of the profits from the hospital and filed several lawsuits against each other because they're both big babies. (laughs) Reportedly, the Institute brought in as much as $100,000 a month in Keep in mind, this is in the 1930s around the Depression. Yeah. (laughs) Which is insane. Yeah. People are desperate when you say that you have a cure and you don't have to go into surgery. Like, yeah, especially for something as scary as cancer. Exactly. So these hundreds of thousands of dollars were allegedly sent away in suitcases under the cover of night. Mm. But most of that money ended up going to Baker. Hoxie was already known nationally as a quack (laughs) and he also was known to travel from state to state as the law chased after him gotcha in 1931 the iowa supreme court sustained the injunction injunction against baker and his practice 
Also, the FRC, which is the Federal Radio Commission, issued a damning report about Baker's radio station KTNT, and after a court battle, the station was finally delicensed in June 1931, among cited reasons were venomous, obscene broadcast against the public interest. So think like Dr. Oz. <laughs> Baker returned from Mexican exile in 1937 to serve one day in the Muscatine County Jail and pay a $50 contempt of court fine that was appealed unsuccessfully to the U.S. Supreme Court. Wow. Jump forward a couple of years. From all of this drama, in 1937, Baker found worn down, thanks to the Depression, Eureka Springs. He bought the Crescent Hotel as his second hospital because he had to shut down the first. And he treated thousands of patients with his injections and also the miracle spring water, quote, quote. The giant resort hospital opened in November, and reportedly Baker accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars, which he kept in various safe deposit boxes only known to him and his new accomplice, Thelma Yunt. Postal inspectors claimed that the hospital cleared about $500,000 in one year. Wow. During his running, running of the Crescent, Baker remodeled much of the hotel, leaving it lavender. He was known for wearing purple shirts, purple bow ties. He drove an orchid-colored car. It was his signature color. His the color of royalty. Um, and he also equipped his first floor office with an escape route through a hidden staircase. Just in things in case things got dicey. Mm -hmm. His office featured a custom six-sided desk that housed the work for his six businesses. Wow. He was known as the one of the world's great or the nation's greatest showman, I think is what Wikipedia put it as. Like he was very eccentric. And he was really good at acting like he knew what he was doing, but he didn't, like, he wasn't doing anything. Me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Haven't we all done that, though? <laughs> like, you know those guys that put on, um, like, their LinkedIn profile that they're an architect after they've designed one house on, like, an app? Yeah. <laughs> You're an entrepreneur because you, like, sold some papers in college entrepreneur because never mind that's gonna <laughs> offend some people um so arkansas was unable to close down the baker hospital which like on the plus side it had kind of boosted eureka springs economy because all these people were flocking to this hospital so where this town started as being like really desolate from the depression all of these tourists coming in and all these patients coming in to be treated kind of helped bring the city back up right but you know this man was also practicing medicine when he didn't need to be right so the federal government brought charges against norman baker with seven counts of mail fraud <laughs> the case opened in september 1939 and it was complicated by the fact that baker had no formal post in the business he did everything through proxies however despite appeals all the way up to the supreme court baker was sentenced to four years in jail and four thousand dollars in fines in January 1940, the court found Baker's cure as a pure hoax and utterly false and jailed him, pending mm. appeals. Baker served his sentence at the United States Penitentiary in Leving Leavenworth, Kansas, from May 1941 to July 1944. And January that year, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals denied him early release. So, like, everybody hated this guy. Yeah, nobody was, nobody's going to give him a break. Mm-mm. So although his treatments and like medical theories obviously held no significance and they were just a complete sham, right? He did grab the attention of the medical American Medical Association and it's like we want to do everything this man or we don't want to do every anything that this man did. Like we need to model what not to do after him. 
So his practices, treatments, and claims helped shape what cancer treatment should not look like in the long run. Oh, well, that's a positive thing that he left behind, I guess. Don't inject people with clover. Or watermelon seeds. (laughs) None of it. Just don't do any of it. In 1946, the hotel saw a new round of renovations with four new owners. And under new management, the hotel was restored in travel vacation packages with the Frisco Railroad brought new tourists to the area. In 1967, there was a fire that brought down the penthouse level and most of the fourth floor. There were a couple of exchanges of ownership in in the 1970s. In 1972, the hotel was sold to Crescent Heights Development Incorporated, and the purpose of this group was to restore the Crescent to its original, like, foundations, Mm -hmm. while also bringing it up to modern standards. In phases, they ended up restoring the property and expanded the facilities. It was during this period that supernatural occurrences were first reported. Which makes uh, sense because they're renovating. The 70s. You think they were reading any books around that time? No. I think that they were all very normal and well-adjusted and nobody was on drugs and nobody cared about Satan. <laughs> Under new management in 1985, Willie Nelson played to a sold-out crowd in the Crystal Ballroom and the then-governor Bill Clinton spoke to an annual chamber banquet. Willie Nelson and Bill Clinton. Bill. In 1997, the current owners, Marty and Elise Ronick. Yeah. I mean, you're you're doing the best that you can, just like I did. <laughs> Marty and Elise purchased both the Crescent and the Basin Park Hotel. They retained Jack Moyer as the general manager to craft and execute the development plan that they had in place. Announcing the dawn of its second golden era in 2000, they said, quote, in five years, we will return the Crescent to where it was 100 years ago. Well, it ended up taking close to 10 years, but they they did restore it. They have everything broken down on the website if you want to see what they did. But they did a lot of they did a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we get into the dirty bits. Quite literally, they were digging in the dirt. So like you said, in 2019, the contractors came up upon some bottles that looked eerily similar to the medical bottles seen in Baker's old advertisements, like identical, Mm -hmm. one of which contained something floating in an almost clear liquid. While digging this up, I'm sure that they were like, ooh, let's stop. So that obviously resulted in a stop order until archaeologists from the University of Arkansas could come in and advise on the situation. Right. Well, the archaeologists called the local fire department and local police, and then the local police ended up calling the lo- calling in the local state crime lab. Then <laughs> everyone said, okay, you can keep digging, so the professional history diggers kept digging. What they ended up finding was a lost dump site from Norman Baker. In an interview, Jack Moyer said, what surprised us the most were several calls from eyewitnesses who remember the, quote, Baker years and some of whom actually saw these same bottles in the area of the building that Baker used as his morgue and autopsy room. Both of those rooms, which are now a key component in our nightly ghost tours, good plug, were stripped bare of artifacts before the current owners came on board in 1997. We have been told those artifacts have been taken to the dump. We thought they meant the county's dump, but apparently they had just been dumped on hotel property. (laughs) It just were thrown outside. More than 20 of the bottles contain what appears to be tissue... I think it ended up being determined to be human tissue. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's that's where I saw in the documentary with Larry. Uh, they were sent off to the University of Arkansas for medical sciences and the state crime laboratory for analysis. The samples were still floating in alcohol. 
Evans said a hundred other bottles from which the alcohol had escaped through decaying lids also contained tissue samples, still pickled and preserved. Why would you say that? It's gross. Just to be gross. (laughs) That's all I can think of when people say things like that. You're just trying to be gross. Mr. Moyer said that he doesn't believe that Baker performed surgeries on live patients at the hospital, but he did perform autopsies on patients who died there, which myself I find concerning since he was not a doctor. Yeah, he wasn't. He did not have a medical license. But I also saw, and so like the little documentary I watched, they said he was interviewing somebody who did some of the pathology. And from what they said, it was like, it was human tissue. It was, it was the dermis, which, you know, if you have you have your skin, that's the epidermis, and then the kind of meaty part underneath of it is your dermis. And that's all the important stuff is kind of hanging out down there. Um, and he was kind of describing it as uh, some of the samples were like, it looked like infected tissue, like you would see in a bedridden patient, like mm-hmm. bed sores. So it could be that they weren't operating on somebody who, like, cutting out cancer. It wasn't cancerous tissue. It was infected tissue because they saw, like, blood clotting and bacteria and that sort of thing. So it could have been that they were doing autopsies, but also, like, trying to treat bed sores in a way of, like, surgically removing the infected tissue. So the other thing that I had seen on an interview was somebody speculating that there was going to be some sort of before and after display Mm. um, because they found uh, it was like tapes almost, but not tapes, um, slides that Mm. said like before Baker treatment. So I'm wondering if they were going to be taking like infected tissue and putting it in one jar and then having pristine tissue and putting it in another to show that makes like, sense. a cure. Yeah. Records indicated that 40 people were taken from the hospital to the mortuary during the 20 months that Baker operated the hospital. Uh, archaeologists stopped their dig a few months later and left the site to the property owners saying, you know, there's nothing more that we can do here. In 2019, according to this article, they had planned on incorporating their finds into their ghost tour and to create an inter- interactive display. I did see on an interview that they had added that as like a shelf on there. What was interesting was there was a interview with Keith Scales or Heath. Was it Heath or Keith? Heath. Heath. Heath said, and he was quoted, that he hasn't noticed an increase of paranormal activity at the hotel since the bottle dump was found and excavation began. But he was planning on bringing in some experts who have machines for testing such things. Hmm. That's why I thought it was interesting because he specifically said that they hadn't seen an uptick in paranormal experiences since the excavation. Yeah, but the Duchess said that they have. So who's right? (laughs) I don't know. That's why I thought it was interesting. It is interesting. Some other things that I wanted to address. I could not find a Michael falling from the whatever, Mm -hmm. like I said. Everything else was so vague (laughs) that there was like there was nothing but let's talk about dr john fremont ellis okay he was the hotel physician oh okay he died in 1931 so he would not have worked at the hospital he would have worked at the hotel okay well that's still i mean if he had an office at the hotel that would be something yeah um he was colonel john fremont ellis an eminent homeopathic physician of eureka springs arkansas that was born 
July 16th, 1856. Much of his practice at Eureka Springs has been in the nature of chronic and obscure diseases in the treatment of which he had been highly successful. And he passed away March 11th, 1931 at the age of 74. Nice. So he's not scary. Mm -mm. Sounds like a nice man that helped people. Yeah. An actual doctor. Um, As far as (laughs) Baker being in the morgue, I would say probably not because he served his time being a fraud in prison and then he retired to Florida and died in Florida, a very wealthy man. So you're telling me he's around here somewhere. He died of cirrhosis, so I'm not sure like the state of his death, but he moved off to Florida and moved on with his life and still died extremely wealthy, even though he had swindled a ton of people out of money. Mm, and what possibly out of their lives yeah that's what uh you know horrible stupid businessmen usually do not naming any names of people who might reside here in florida right now but uh (laughs) but that makes sense and i don't know why he would hang around somewhere that just went so bad for him in the first place there could be something in the morgue because people did die so that's not out of question you didn't find anything on Richard and Mary Breckenridge Thompson's kid? I can look into a little bit more detail. Do you have a date on that? No. <laughs> Just that he died is... from oh. complications of appendicitis. He was supposedly four. Like, why would he die in a hotel? I don't... I don't know. Mm. Um, Hold on. Let me, let me look. What'd you find? <laughs> <laughs> Mary Brecken- Breckenridge the mother, was born in 1881 in Kentucky. Okay. She married attorney Henry Ruffner Morrison in 1904, but lost him to appendicitis shortly after the first anniversary. She was only 26. She traveled and went to a girl's school. Um, During this time, she watched a child die of typhoid fever, and that experience led her to the decision to train as a nurse. In 1912, she married her second husband, and from that marriage two children were born. This is from the Frontier Nursing Service report. Prior to becoming a mother, Mrs. Breckenridge had taught French and hygiene at Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Okay. Where her husband was also the president of the college. Okay. Her first child, Clifford Breckenridge Brecky Thompson. <laughs> Clifford. Oh, well, that name. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> was born in 1914. She called Brecky a fair-haired wonder. In July 1916, Mrs. Breckenridge gave birth to her daughter, Polly, who was born prematurely and died after only six hours. Mm. On a cold, brisk January morning in 1918, at the age of four, Brecky would succumb to appendicitis. Mm. Uh, She was devastated. Mary and her husband ended up divorcing, and she returned to the use of her family name. She ended up writing a book, it looks like. Wow, to have, like, two, like... (laughs) Like her son and then her first husband both die of appendicitis. That's like. Well, what's wild, like it's very lethal, but yeah. it's like in our day and age, it's like unheard of yeah. to die from it. Exactly. Oh, he's so cute. He is a little fair haired wonder. So, okay. So he, he could totally be there. Got to talk about this ball, Brecky. Lose the ball. Do something else. Okay, but think back to that picture where I was like, that looks like an old man. 
Look at that hair. Yeah. Okay, so it could be Brecky in that picture. I love this little picture of him and his dad. It does not say where he died, though. I mean, I assume if you're like the president and then you're also a nurse working there and teaching there, they must have like on-site boarding for you. And if your parents are still there, even for a little while, you might want to stick around as the Mm -hmm. spirit to who you know. I thought you were going to say that she then flung herself from a balcony and I was like, the lady in the mist. But no. No. (laughs) That would have been too perfect. And became very influential in nursing, apparently. Oh, good. And I don't mean like it would be too perfect for her to fling herself off a balcony. I mean, it just it would make too much sense. Such a sad story. Mm-hmm. but but interesting true yeah it, it's true so the last thing i wanted to bring up i did find a man falling <gasps> this is from 2017 oh <laughs> late saturday june 11th late saturday night a man fell to his death from the fourth floor staircase inside the crescent hotel oh my gosh let's say his name william thomas 62 mm-hmm. oh sad the man walked out of the bar and fell over the railing at the top of the staircase. Oh, no. We know he had been in the bar on top of the crescent, and we know his wife was, was with him. Ugh. No, but that's awful. But not the not the falling man that we thought, but still a falling man. No mist around. No mist. Um, but interesting. Uh, anyway, so that's all I have for you. Well, that's a lot. A lot of interesting stuff. So what do you think? I think that this place is haunted. <laughs> I think there's a very good chance it could be haunted. I mean, I, there's a there's a ton of evidence sparsed out. Like you know, people are debating and rightfully like speculating, <laughs> um, but there is evidence. So I like that. I enjoy that. And Brecky is a real kid, mm-hmm. and they have connections to the hotel, and so does Doctor Ellis. Mm-hmm. So for sure, I believe that they could be there. Theodora, the cancer patient. I don't she, have any specific cancer patients that died, but 40 patients did die there. Yeah. So it could be plausible that she was one of those 40 and mm-hmm. and died there. I don't think that Baker's there. No. But but if he is, I hope he's one of those people that are eternally falling. Yes. But not the guy that's reaching out of the mirror. Ugh. I hope that's not actually a thing. I hope that you saw it. Like, I don't hope for nightmares on people but i hope that was just a nightmare for somebody and not an actual thing that's happening there mm-hmm. but yeah so super job. neat i don't think i will stay there i will go visit though yeah we can go plunge in the waters we just gotta try to heal ourselves yeah and we just can't drink no oh. <laughs> <laughs> <The bar. laughs> we're already a disaster on stairs alcohol just need to be added um well cool where are we going next? Yes. It going is in back- Pennsylvania? I think it is. I think we're going back to Pennsylvania. Yeah. We're doing... This one was a request. Yes. We're excited about it. Yes. This was a, a request by a listener. So we're going to to Pennsylvania. It'll be fun. What's your, what's your sage moment? I made it through my first week of school. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. The schedule treating you right? I think the schedule is going to be good. I found out that one of my classes does lockdown browsers for exams. I don't know what that means. Welcome to today's 
testing, you have to take your webcam and show it around the room to the proctor. Like, so I'm going to have to take my webcam and like scan my room to show that no one is there. My door has to be shut. And if I take my eyes off of the camera, like at any point in the test, I can fail the test and like they can monitor what's on my screen. Okay. So if you have testing anxiety, no pressure, it will not be good to you. What's interesting was a judge ruled that it was an invasion of privacy in 2021, I think, or it might've been August of 2022. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. But outside of that, everything looks like, I think it's going to be a lot of work, but I don't think it's going to be impossible. Well, good. I think it's impossible, but what is your sage moment? My sage moment is that uh, my bathtub works. (laughs) It's the little things of life. Uh, No, that. Seriously, that my plumbing works. <laughs> I did the bad thing and, you know, obviously clogged it up. But besides that, I also got my hot water working consistently. Great. Love it. And so now I have a hot shower that works and doesn't get clogged up. So I'm very happy. And it's only taken like two years of living here. To get to I this feel point. like <laughs> you always have these little sagas at any place that you live at. Here's the thing with renting, especially like apartment renting. I've just been set up for failure. (laughs) No, it's just, you know, my old apartment in Atlanta was obviously a historic building that wasn't very like updated well. Uh, So it was beautiful, but it was also just a mess. (laughs) Structurally. It was uh, not maintained. Yes, it was not maintained at all. So... And nobody cared to do anything about it. Exactly. And then with this place, uh, we did move during like the very beginning of the pandemic. So we had to kind of come in here sight unseen. Literally nobody was here to give us the keys. They kind of just left the door unlocked and we showed ourselves in and moved in. And this place is also kind of old, not as old as my last place, but it is old. It has some cosmetic stuff, but obviously it needs to be maintained at a more structural level. Uh, that they just aren't willing to do right now and so if you think that your rent is going towards improvements to the place that you're living it's not (laughs) not likely no it's not unfortunately and that's just the reality of renting but but we are where we are and I just have hot water now to take a shower and a bath and a bath because it doesn't clog and I'm happy that's great news (laughs) it's the little things it's it is truly the little things and i hope that everybody gets to enjoy the little things that make their day great sometime this week everybody go take a hot bath in honor of kristen's working bathtub yes and if your bathtub is not working i feel you and i see you we are connected (laughs) (laughs) on a spiritual level that's it that's it it's been great (laughs) yeah well talk to y'all next week yep see you next week bye Bye. thanks for listening as always we love getting suggestions from you guys be sure to send us your recommendations of stories to cover locations to visit ghost tours to go on and all that good stuff you can send it to haunted or hoax pod at gmail.com or dms on social 
Yeah. You can find all of our links to social as well as episodes and blogs on our website, hauntedorhoax.com. And if you feel like helping us out, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or just drop us a few stars on Spotify. Bye. Bye.